Welcome to the C12 Podcast. C12 is a college and young adult ministry where 20-somethings at 12 Stone Church gather on Thursday nights. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. C12, how are we doing tonight? Are we doing good? Man, it is good to be here tonight. If it is your first night with us, we just want to say welcome home. Uh, glad you're here at C12 tonight on a Thursday. And uh, what, we, what, what we do every single Thursday, and uh, we're a giant ministry, we're a big family. I know you just sat down. Why don't you go ahead and stand up? I want you to find someone across the room, give them a fist bump, give them a high five. Tell someone here tonight that you're so glad to see them. C12, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. Man, it's so good to, to be here as we kick off a brand new series called Candid Conversations. And uh, it's actually good to be back. I was supposed to be here last Thursday and uh, I was in Africa on a trip and connecting with an organization. Uh, I know, first trip uh, since the pandemic and it was amazing. I got a little shout out. You're like little world traveler over there. You're like, please, when's the next mission trip? Uh, <laughs> we got a lot of people are like itching to go and uh, it was so good to be uh, back here. It feels like you're gone for like 10 years when you're gone for like eight days. Uh, I'm like, we still do like US dollars here, right? Like I still have a job. I'm still like, uh, people still exist. The rapture didn't happen. Uh, you kind of freak out a little bit. Uh, but I'm really excited for tonight as we get to kick off a brand new series called uh, Candid Conversations. And uh, this series might look a little different than some of the series that we've done in the past. And this whole series is just going to be uh, a dialogue. And so uh, I want to welcome up two friends of mine, uh, Frank Haynes and Trey Hildebrand. Can you guys give it up for Frank and for Trey? Uh, they're going to introduce themselves here uh, in a second. But uh, the reason why we're, we're jumping into uh, this series uh, on Candid Conversations is that we know uh, it gets a little complex in today's world, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe there's some things that are not black and white, or uh, I don't know that scripture really says anything about this. Like, what decisions do I make as a follower of Jesus? And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit tonight about wisdom, but uh, next week we're actually going to be having our senior pastor, Jason Berry, here uh, for a live Q&A in the room. So... Uh, what that looks like is we got a QR code up on the screen. Uh, so we're going to throw that up there, and you guys can go ahead and uh, scan that when it's up on the screen. We want you guys, uh, basically, this is going to be a you asked for it night. So this is going to be something where, hey, you got a hot topic. There's uh, something that you want to go over, you want to uh, address within uh, the church or life, or how do I navigate uh, certain things. We're going to kind of collect all of it, and we're going to have a, an open dialogue uh, next week with our senior pastor. It's going to be uh, an amazing an amazing night. But to switch gears to tonight, uh, welcome. Man, glad you guys are, are here. Hey, man. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Wow. That's a little loud. Hey, we're going we're we're to be way more entertaining than Jason. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't tell Jason I said first that. Of all, first of all, week. I love how you Jesus juked the whole room and you sat down. You're like, sorry, guys, I was in Africa last <laughs> week doing Jesus things. Yeah, we played the song Africa the whole time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you got the pink mic and then you got the blue one. Yeah, what does that say? Yeah. Is that a thing? <laughs> it's a thing. Okay. Well, here we are. <laughs> All right, having a girl. <laughs> uh, well, super glad you guys uh, are here. Why don't you introduce yourselves, uh, kind of what you do at 12 Stone, how long you've been around, and yeah, kind of uh, just, Trey, why don't you go ahead and start us? Yeah, so my name's Trey Hildebrandt. I'm the campus pastor at our Snellville campus. Uh, yeah, I thought I'd, I'd hope to get a little Snellville bit of that. Thank you, now? Ty, over there. I, uh, I've been uh, pastoring that campus for seven and a half years now, which is, is exciting, and Really thankful for that. My wife, Sarah, actually joined me this evening. We took it uh, as an opportunity. There she is. She raised her hand uh, to uh, leave my kids with my parents. So I have three boys, uh, an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a two-year-old, uh, Bear, Jude, and Maverick. And so our hands are full, but we're having a blast. Bear, Jude, and Maverick. Bear is my oldest. Baller Jude names all time. is my middle son, and Maverick is our two-year-old. Those so. are like manly na yeah, names. Yeah, like we, we were going for a vibe. Yeah, we were my going name, for a my vibe. My name's yeah. Alex, like the most generic like name of all time. <laughs> it's pretty generic. <laughs> well, this, like I'm worst. sitting next yeah, to Frank. Yeah, you're <laughs> sitting next to Frank. Frank. You are. If there was ever but, a name for a white guy from Mississippi, it's yeah. Frank. Hey, don't make fun of Mississippi, all right? Hey, I, mean, I usually get to say, "Hey, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be Frank with you tonight," and it's the, it's the worst dad joke ever. Hey, well, I'm Frank, 
as you just heard. Um, I am from Mississippi. I, sh- I just moved here from Georgia five months ago, so I'm a newbie to 12 Stone. I started off. You keep off- saying that. I, I, need to re- I think I've been wanting to correct you in some meetings. You moved here in October, right? No, November. November? I started middle of November. Thanks for paying attention. I thought it was longer than that. I thought you got no, here in October. I just, I just feel, feel like, like I've known you longer I feel like than I've that. been here for like, it took like three years for me to get here. So that's probably what's true. confusing. This is true. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but anyway, I just moved here five months ago, I think is right now. I'm a uh, campus pastor at Flowery Branch. Any branch people up here? Like, awesome. See, that was a lot better than Snellville. I love wow. you. Don't, hey, you don't want to play that game. I know <laughs> who, where the Snellville people are, are at. And here, there you go. There's a few. All Thank one, you, Ty. All one of you. All one of you. Um, awesome. I have a row over here that's being quiet. Isaiah, Tori, I see you guys. My wife. <laughs> why do you, Thank you. Why do, you, do you always call out your people like that? Yeah, absolutely. You, you, call, you started it. I did. Okay, I sorry. Did. Anyway, <laughs> I'm married as well. My wife's Bethany, and we have two little girls, five and three, Leora and Karis. And, uh, man, life's a blast. We love being here. This is awesome. That's super cool. Well, tonight we're jumping into the conversation of, of how do I grow in wisdom? So if you're taking notes tonight, you can go ahead and write that question down at the very top of how do I grow uh, in wisdom? And uh, what we're going to kind of go over is, uh, I mean, how do I practically grow in wisdom? And uh, what does that look like in today's day and age when there's a lot of information out there? Uh, one of the things that we actually talked about in our huddle was maybe uh, what does wisdom look like in an age of disinformation? Uh, you guys know there's lots of opinions out there. There's lots of uh, social media and, and news articles and, and podcasts. And what does it look like to actually grow uh, in wisdom in today's day and age? And so if we're diving the topic, we got to start out by like, man, you guys weren't holy forever. You know what I mean? You guys weren't pastors forever. There's probably some Still unwise. Not. So <laughs> what, are most, what are some like the most unwise or like the dumbest things that you've done in college days, young adult years? I, I was telling these guys, I actually called a buddy of mine when I heard that we were going to ask this question earlier today, and he started listing off some things from, from college. But that um, tells you, like, how holy your life is, <laughs> that you don't remember, like, right yeah, off the bat. Yeah, yeah, God just wiped my hey, brain What off. terrible thing did I do in college? Yeah. Um, I, don't ha- I wasn't going to share. I guess I'll share. It's a little bit of a story. Um, so I'm going to give you guys a number, and you're not going to believe me, but it's true. The amount of times I've been pulled over in my life. Um, like this amount of times, blue lights have pulled me over while driving. Does not even include a couple of tickets I've had mailed to me in the mail. But I've been pulled over 28 times in my life. Um, and only hey, I'm like, curious, has anybody been up pulled over more than that? Just out of, anybody resonate? So here's what's crazy about that. <laughs> I've been married for 10 years this year. And I've only been pulled over probably three or four times in our marriage. So I packed that in from like 16 to 23. Um <laughs> And uh, so, why are you not arrested? So, yeah, like, yeah, that's no, why. legit, legit, the favor of, of God. So, one story actually, uh, I was driving to a, I was involved in a college ministry in college. I was 19, I was driving to this college ministry, and I was going 60 in a 35 construction zone. I, I get pulled over, and well, he, let, me, let me back up. That's what the cop told me. I didn't believe the guy. Here's why <laughs> I, I was going to a chili cook off for the college ministry that I was involved in, and I had a flipping pot of chili buckled up in my passenger seat. And I told the guy, I'm like, there's no way I was going 60 with my buddy, the pot of chili, in my passenger seat. <laughs> so he gets out, he checks the, 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 the whatchamabobber, the thing they get your speed with. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, from the, South, I'm from South Georgia. I guess that's, that's uh, a. <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, whatever. no, it works. And he gives me the ticket. Eight days later, 56 in a 35, same construction zone. I go to court with both tickets to the judge. And my dad, you know, one of those things, like dad knew a person who knew a person. They knocked it down from 11 over to 11 over and 9 over. I had to pay like 600 bucks and go to defensive driving. But I should have lost my license. That, that was one of those, should have lost my license. Bob the Builder's really unwise. Friend, man. Really unwise. So Pretty good. Um, you really want me to share this? It involves the FBI. Let me... <laughs> This is true. I'm really not making this up. Are right. we recording this? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're still probably looking for me. Um, so it's my sophomore year. This is, yeah, everything I'm about to tell you is true. It's not fabricated at all. I wish it was. So it was my sophomore year of college, and it, 9-11 had just happened. So I'm, that's how old I am. Um, and I know some of you are, like, doing the math right now. It's, <laughs> it's 40. Um, so uh, it was my sophomore year, and I went to school at Mississippi State, and Fun fact, Mississippi State was the first athletic event after 9-11 because they shut everything down for like a week. And so um, we were playing South Carolina, and, man, it was a big deal. They had, like, FBI trucks out there, helicopters, because they were worried something was going to happen. It was going to be a nationally televised event. And so I had a friend who had had a little too much that night, 
was like, hey, let's go break into the football stadium. That sounds like a great idea. And in my head, I'm like, okay, my buddy, he's not thinking straight. I'm going to help him out. So by the time we, I was like, I'll walk with him. I'll convince him this is a bad idea by the time we get there. And I didn't. Actually, the opposite happened. He convinced me it was a good idea. So that wasn't wise already in itself. But somehow we actually get into the stadium. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're about to do this. Like, we're, I don't even know what we're going to do. I think we're going to run the football field or something one time and get out. And we didn't get, like, ten steps in until all we saw were, like, these lights, like, come down on us. And they're like, on the ground! And we're like, both of us drop on the ground. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. And he's like, dude, we got to run. We can't stay here. We got to get out of here. I'm like, don't, no, just don't move. We're going to be okay. And he just takes off. And I'm like, I guess I got to go too. And, and he I got, take off. And he got sniped, didn't he? No. A sniper took him. No, no, no. I think they knew we were kind of dumb college students. Somehow we get out and we're like, what are we going to do? They're going to find us because like, we have to walk back through them somehow. And uh, this was, I don't know, back in the day, this was like where you wore two T-shirts was cool. It was like you wore an undershirt under your T-shirt. I don't know why. But it saved us that day. I said, bro, let's take our over T-shirts off, go to our post office, put them in our post office box. We'll get them tomorrow. We'll walk back. So we're walking back. We get stopped. We're both in white T-shirts, which is kind of weird. And um, they're like, hey, have you, we've been looking for two guys. Have y'all seen two guys running around here? We're like, no, nah, man, what were they wearing? They're like, one was wearing a Navy shirt, one was wearing a red shirt. And I was like, bro, I haven't seen them, but... <laughs> We'll, we'll see you later. And we got away with it. So, yeah. so, so here's what's crazy about your story. It went from unwise to incredibly wise. <laughs> no, like, to, that's no, actually... No, to incredibly coercive and manipulative. Yeah. <laughs> and we all have those stories, you know what I mean? Like, we all got these, like, just crazy, outlandish, you know, maybe dumb, unwise things. And, and so we're just going to kind of hone in on this conversation of wisdom. Like, as we get older, there's this element of, like, man, when I become an adult, I got to start making some, like, kind of big adult decisions here. Uh, but we know it can be really complex. And so, Trey, I, I just want to start off uh, tonight by going over why does wisdom even matter? Uh, why, why does wisdom even, uh, why does it matter to us? Why should it matter to us as a follower of Jesus? Yeah, so um, I, I know that you're also going to help answer kind of what wisdom is. But I feel like I have to share, say a, a couple of thoughts as to what we may actually believe like biblical wisdom is and, and how scripture would lead us to understand uh, wisdom. So wisdom is, there's going to be multiple definitions to it, but wisdom is how you put into practice what you know. So it's, it's more than just the accumulation of knowledge, and I think we have to be really clear about that, that there are people who know a lot of things that aren't necessarily wise, mm. because wisdom is not going to be the accumulation of more information and the accumulation of more knowledge. It is actually going to be how do you apply what you know in order to make healthy decisions and decisions that ultimately honor God and decisions that are right. So uh, obviously, in, in, in when you think about wisdom in that way, it's going to matter because wisdom is going to be the gift that God gives you in order to lead a life that doesn't crash. Um, I, I think there are, you know, you can fall off this spectrum into unhealth of you can accumulate too much knowledge uh without putting into practice and you become an arrogant type of person, you become somebody who accumulates knowledge for the sake of pride or for the sake of self, and that burns up relationships. And then you become the type of person who doesn't care about those things uh, and is wrecking their life because you're constantly making poor decisions. So wisdom gives us this, this gift of applying what we've learned, actually becoming obedient to the things that we've learned, which I think is ultimately going to help us live a life of flourishing, a life of health, a life of joy, um, and a life of really solid relationships. Mm -hmm. So without that, you ask the question, why does wisdom matter? Mm -hmm. And without wisdom, you're just going to eventually find yourself um, in a really destructive place. Yeah. Frank, why don't you go a little deeper with that? And what is, you know, from your perspective, what does the Bible say about uh, wisdom? Maybe what is the difference between knowledge, information, and wisdom uh, in that sense, too? Yeah, that was really good, Trey. I, so here's what I'd say, kind of simplify it. Wisdom, what I would say is this. It's biblical truth rightly understood and rightly applied. Um, biblical truth rightly understood and rightly applied. And so let me break that down. It, it first, it's got to start with biblical truth. I mean, there's lots of truths out there. Everybody has a different interpretation of truth. But for us, wisdom is rooted in, in the truths of Scripture. I mean, Jesus is very clear, like, your word is truth, John 17, 17. So it starts with that. That's our starting place as believers. But it's also rightly understood. I think we've all been around people who take scripture, manipulate it for what they want it to mean, kind of inject their ideas on it to get what they want. We see that over and over again. So it's about handling the word of God correctly. Make sure we understand it well. But at the end of the day, it's applying it. 
Um, you know, even Solomon, who was we consider one of the most wisest human beings on the planet in history. However, there were moments where he didn't live it out, and he was quite foolish. Mm-hmm. So you can have great understanding, but if you don't apply it to your life, um, you really become quite foolish. I would say even more foolish when you have the wisdom and understanding, and then you, and you don't live that out. So um, that's kind of the difference between yeah. knowledge. You can have knowledge and understanding, but it's not wisdom until you actually begin to apply it in your life and, and, and use it correctly. The other thing I'll add is this. Um, a scripture you probably have all heard. It's actually in Proverbs 1 and Proverbs 9. Uh, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And one of the things that the Lord has had to constantly and continues to constantly remind me of in my life is that wisdom ultimately begins with making sure he's the authority of my life hmm. and that ultimately I'm submitting to him. That's good. Um, that has got to be the starting place because at the end of the day, we all have an authority in our lives. Some of us can articulate that. Some of us may not be able to articulate that. But we all have something that is like that filter that we, that we view everything through, that we make our decisions through. And for us, it could be, like, I know one of the struggles for me a lot of times is comfort can be my authority. So it doesn't even have to be a person. Mm-hmm. Comfort can be my authority. Like, I, I, I see everything through the lens through it. I'll make decisions through it. But we have to decide as Christians, no, the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That we're going to stand beneath the Lord, submit our lives to him, and believe his truth really is his truth. His way is his way. And that we're going to follow that. Yeah. And that's where wisdom begins. Yeah. So good. So good. Thank y'all for <clears throat> starting out, I think, even tonight. And now we got more questions we're going to go over, but uh, I want this to be an interactive time. So uh, we're actually going to throw up a, 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 even a QR code for tonight. If you got questions that are specific, like, hey, I got a question for Frank, or I got a question for Trey about something uh, on the topic of wisdom, we're going to throw that up there. And you can go ahead and you can text that in. Uh, we don't want this to be some boring lecture or a class. Uh, man, school is almost done. How, how, many, how many just graduated? You guys are done with school? Yeah. <laughs> That was like a, ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Some of you are like, man, I just, I'm so ready for summer. Who's ready for summer? I mean, come on. You're, you're just ready for it to be. Uh, we, don't, we don't need another just boring lecture. This is what, this is not what it's going to be. So this is going to be interactive. I want you guys to, to pitch in on it. And so uh, I want to ask you guys a question because uh, obviously a lot of us have social media. Everyone does. <laughs> uh, we either TikTok, Instagram, uh, whatever, Facebook, and, and there's lots of information that's out there. How do you uh, go about uh, maybe trying to gain wisdom in an age where social media can change so much? You know, even let's just take it for a very specific example, you know, the war in Ukraine. Uh, I mean, think, seeing things on TikTok and you're like, oh, that's not, that's not in Ukraine right now. That's like from the movie Dunkirk. Like, but then people share it and they're like, well, it's what's happening in Ukraine. You're like, that's a war movie. Uh, <laughs> That's not what's actually happening. And, and, and so it, sometimes it's harder for us to like, what's actually true? Like, I, I don't even know, like, it's so hard to kind of filter through all like the crud and the junk. What's a wise approach through trying to find out what is true in an age where social media is rampant and you got tons of opinions and stances? Yeah, I, I, first of all, I would just say, um, yeah, I'm only in my mid thirties, but like even just being slightly removed from your generation, like, I, I actually, I just want to say this, like, I commend you for wading through all of it, because certainly it's a lot, um, and, and, I'll, and I'll say this, Alex, I think to your, like, even how you painted the picture of that question, I don't know if there's a, a silver bullet for how to decipher on the surface what is fake, what is disinformation, and what is untrue. I think it's actually going to be more true, um, let me say it this way, it's going to matter more about how grounded you are mm. than what you are looking at. So you're going to be, you may ask the question, well, how do I know that's true? Well, I would take it a step further and make it very personal is who are you and who are you becoming? Because as you dig really deep roots into Jesus personally, uh, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit who's not only our, uh, uh, but scripture calls him a counselor. He is a guide. And when scripture is a filter for truth, and now I have the prompting of the Holy Spirit in me, God gives, like, remember what wisdom is, is not just the accumulation of knowledge, but, but it's, it's being able to, to act on what I, what I learn. And, and that is, this is first about you. And so, guys, you're always going to be bombarded with information, bombarded with voices, bombarded with opinions, uh, just by the nature of your generation has never experienced more influences um, then, then, I mean, then this is, this is it. Like never before has a generation experienced more influences. So I don't know if it's necessarily about limiting the influence. It's about who are you becoming in order to filter those influences. Uh, but a, a practical piece of it 
I would say, um, have a healthy skepticism of what you see. And I, I don't mean that, to, I don't want you to be like this really critical spirit. Um, can I say there's a difference between a critical eye and a critical spirit? So I'm not saying have a critical spirit where everything's, oh, that's not true. Um, but I am saying, at, like, there's, you should have a healthy skepticism of, man, that thing from that account that I don't know anything about said that. Is there a chance that I should test that on two or three other sources before I post about it? Before I tell my friend about it? Mm-hmm. I, yes. Um, for me, when it comes to that stuff, uh, there are just different social media accounts that I've trusted for years. Mm-hmm. And so you, you have to ask the question of what's the source and then who is affirming that source. So um, if you don't know the account, if you've never seen it before, if some Joe Blow, you know, shared it, uh, uh, and you're like, I don't even know who this joker is, but dang it, that looks, that looks like it might be a thing, you know? Um, man, pause, check the source, and have a healthy skepticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, question. That means everything on social media is not real and true? <laughs> so yeah, I'm yeah. like totally confused now. Yeah. Um, that's, man, that's so good. I don't, I don't know much to add to that, other than I would just say, um, I, read, I read this the other day that like for generation like Z and millennial, like right now this age group is spending somewhere between five to eight hours on social media, um, screen time. Wow. And one of the things I would just maybe push on is guard yourself on that because wherever wherever you spend that much time, um, it's going to shape you and influence you. You know, like there's that whole scripture about, you know, bad company corrupts character. <laughs> like this is not the scripture, but if you're on the screen that much looking at things, it's, it's going to eventually affect you. Um, and a lot of times with, with it being so much disinformation um, and people just tweeting things and TikToking, I mean, whatever comes to mind a lot of times. Like, we know this. Everybody's an expert now, but they're not really. And so when you're constantly on it, those are the things that are shaping us. I would say, first of all, be really guarded how much you're spending on, on social media. Um, and again, I'm not like a fuddy-duddy. Like, spend time on social media. That's fine. I don't have a problem with it. Social media is, is it's, it's amoral in and of itself. Um, but be cautious how much. And I would say this. Let it, it can inform you, but don't let it shape you. Hmm. Right? Like, what really is discipling you right now? And if social media is the thing wow. that's discipling you, like, that's a big problem. Hmm. Because so much of it is not healthy. It's not of the Lord. Again, it goes back to what we were saying before. Like, wisdom is rooted in biblical truth. We all know there, are, there is biblical truth on social media. I've seen many people come back to church and give their lives to the Lord because of things on social media. So it's not all bad. It's, in many ways, it's been a gift to the church. It's been a gift to 12 Stone. Um, but we all know that's not the case for everything. So just be cautious how much you're on it. Uh, be cautious at the, the state that you're in when you're on it. Um, I read somewhere the other day that said, hey, I never go into social media until I've worshiped first. I thought, man, that was so good. Like, you know, like, do I spend time in the Word before I get into social media? Or like, are you ready to, to receive what you're going to hear? Because, like, when you go on social media, you're going into a battle. I don't know if you thought about that, but you're going into a war. Um, and are you prepared for that? Are you ready for that? Are you armored up for that? Mm. So, um, yeah, just, uh, like, what's the state that you're in? How much time is it shaping you or is it informing you? Which one is it? Yep. Yeah, I love that word you said about what's discipling you. I was talking to our student pastor at the Snellville campus, um, and he and I were talking about some of his greatest fears that he's seeing in students right now, middle schoolers, high schoolers. He said, because I feel like he, his exact quote was something like, I feel like I can preach uh, the scripture 25, 30 minutes every Wednesday, every Sunday evening, and we can set up groups and we can have leaders who are pouring truth and, and Jesus into students and they can watch a two-minute TikTok video that disciples them out of what they've heard their entire life. And, uh, which is fearful, right? And that we have to be a little bit bold and ask some tough questions as to why is that? Like there's something that might be a little broken and even how they're receiving it, but, but that's, that is I mean, what a forming question is, is what information, and we're going back to that a little bit, what voices are you allowing to disciple you? Mm. And um, kind of almost as a, as a life hack a little bit in this, something that is fairly new in my life. I read uh, two or three books, and I'm kind of still finishing one. I actually just started another one called The Pursuit of Holiness that was written in the 70s. Um, I've heard a pastor say this, you should always be reading somebody who's no longer alive. <laughs> like find a book or two and read somebody mm. who's no longer alive. Um, and I, I, it sounds a little like jarring at first. Like, what do you mean? Uh, man, there's something about truth that has um, moved through generations 
that it's just good to have something grounding. Mm. And, uh, and so it's such a practical thought. Man, I should probably be reading a book of somebody that's, <laughs> that's not alive um, because it pulls me out of the, like, everything is not contemporary. Everything is not new under the sun. In fact, Scripture says that nothing is new under the sun. Mm. So let me pull back a few generations. Dig us some truth. I read a book last year called uh, Spiritual Dynamics of a Christian Life. Or excuse me, uh, Dynamics of a Spiritual Life. I said that completely wrong. Dynamics of a Spiritual Life, written by a guy in the 70s. And it felt like he was writing in 2021. Wow. But it was 50 years old. And what God was doing in that was really, really special. Mm. So. Let me go a layer deeper with this because, you know, with all of us having social media, you know, and, and uh, trying to navigate, like, what, what is a wise way to use it? What is a wise approach of how I navigate even today's day and age? Uh, is it wise to take a, a stance on something? Is it wise, you know, to kind of stand up for my conviction? Is it going to break my connections with people? You know, when, when is it wise to speak out and when is it wise not to? Maybe this is like the million dollar question, you know. Uh, but if you can I, figure that out, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, um, come back tomorrow. And then, you know, I, but I, I've lived inside. I think we all have, you know, when you're on social media and, and you got uh, friends who all of a sudden you're no longer friends with because they will post something. And well, because you didn't repost what I posted, we're no longer friends. Uh, and then it's almost kind of awkward seeing them in public and you're like, hey. <laughs> Uh, what do we talk about? Like, you know, can we talk about that topic? Uh, and so uh, when is it wise to stand up? And when is it wise not to? Yeah, thanks for letting me start on that one. Um, <laughs> no, no pressure. <laughs> Trey and I had planned to get in a fight on stage. Y'all, y'all interested in that? Y'all wanna... We were going pick, we to pick, we pick a topic that we disagree on and just argue together yeah. for a little bit. We could find, well, we do have things we probably disagree on. We totally have yeah, things we disagree we on. Um, awesome. Let's, yeah, let's do yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, like sports and some other stuff. Um, no, I'll, uh, man, this is a hard, and there's, there's not an easy answer. Here's the rule of thumb I always go back to. Um, we model our relationships, we model our conversations off Jesus as believers. And I, and I love in the Gospel of John how it starts off. It says that when Jesus came, he came full of grace and truth. And that has always been for me, I don't say always, but in recent years, it's, it's been the filter for me of how I try to think about things. So I'm not telling you what to do right now. I am giving you something of how to think, which is a difference, um, because every situation is different. You know, but even in the Bible, Paul talks about that in First Corinthians. Like, the, the, what do you do with the the meat that's been dedicated to demon? Like, how do we handle that? And it's different situations in, in those moments. But um, the filter that I try to look through conversations is how do I model relationships and conversations after Jesus, who came full of grace and truth. And what I love about that, there's not a pendulum swing. Like one minute he's kind of got grace but not truth, or one minute he's uh, you know full of truth and, and no grace. Like it's always full of both. Now sometimes you're going to see like one side of the coin more than other. Like you have the story of Peter, like get behind me, Satan. A lot of truth in that, not a lot of grace. But you know if you think about the story right before that, Peter announces that he's the Messiah, and he's like, "Well done, Peter. Like I'm going to build my church upon you, the rock." So you see grace there. But there's just this try to figure it out. Like how do I live within grace and truth? Um, and that's the picture of the conversations that we have. And so there's sometimes, I'm, I, and a lot of times it's knowing the people. Uh, that's the hard thing about social media. Like, we, we're, we live in such a connected world, but we're not really that connected. And so it's hard to have deep relationships when they're just online. So it's hard for me to know where the person is, to be able to have quality conversations. you got to be mindful of that, right? Um, I think I sent you this text. I, I was... Um, uh, I heard this uh, lady speaking on social media. She's a believer, but she writes for like magazines like Newsweek, stuff like that. She said, you're not going to win people to Jesus through argument. Ultimately, you're going to win them through affection. And I thought, whew, that's really good. Wow. Um, and we come with conversations with grace and truth. So sometimes that's the person i got to talk to, and i got to be honest. And I give them truth, but I know where they are. They know my heart. And sometimes it's grace. But a lot of times it's discernment through that relationship. But I will say this, guys, we're in a culture, I feel like today we're in a culture that really does try to stray away from truth. Like we tend to lean a little bit more towards grace. And I think you've got a good word to say in a second that you're saying, I'm going to save that for you. Um, I have found that when I go home at night and there was a truth that I didn't get to say because I, I wanted to like protect the relationship or kind of keep it, you know, civil, um, I almost always regret it. I almost always regret it. And so there's a way to give truth and do that well. Now, there's also a way to, I had, I had a pastor say one time, sometimes you can say the right thing the wrong way and it's the wrong thing. Um, but 
there's a lot of times we say the right thing the right way, and it's always the right thing, mm. even if they react in a certain way. Yeah. I can't control how people react, but if I know that I'm giving someone truth and love, then that's our responsibility. That's the command that Jesus gave us. And if it breaks the relationship, man, it's unfortunate sometimes, but you got to go to bed at night knowing, hey, I'm, I'm responding in the way that Jesus has called me to. Yeah, I, I love that grace and truth. I mean, just put that over like all of your social media stuff, grace and truth, and circled the and. Um, but what's interesting is, um, and I'll just be honest with you guys. Can I, I'll be honest, like I'm naturally like a pretty chippy and combative person on the things that I believe. Um, and just like that's just what rises up inside of me. Uh, what's, what's interesting about what I, I think I'm experiencing in my spirit right now is I, I actually find myself feeling in the social media world a little bit more grace for non-believers than I used to. Like it's almost mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, you know, of course they think X. Man, they don't, they don't have that filter or Jesus is first. Man, where I have trouble maintaining uh, a little bit of grace or people who claim the name of Jesus and then venture into a world that does not align with Scripture. And so what I'm struggling with is this, 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 so I'm just being honest with you. It is in me to be chippy. It's in me to be a little combative. It's in me to, when I see something, to call it out. And so I have to often, I deleted a post this morning with some stuff, like straight up, this morning, I posted it and I deleted it. And we actually have that right here. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's great. <laughs> you know what's funny about... Psych, dude, we got you, bro. No, no. It's so good. You know what's funny about that? forever. You know what's funny about that? It's like, if you threw it out there, I'm like, all right, let's freaking talk about it. Let's go. Um, Sarah, is he chippy? <laughs> yeah. Is he chippy? Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. She agrees. So, so, so here's, here's kind of my filter. Um, you ask the question, when is it wise to post? Hmm. I have found that maybe about half the time that I want to present a truth that might have a little edge to it. Because that's what we're saying, right? Yeah. Like you might present truth that has a little bit of an edge to it. About half the time that I want to do that on social media, I probably should not. That's almost like a, like about half the time I want to do it. Um, I'm at a point where on Twitter especially, because that's kind of where I'm like the most like, like angsty. Um, <laughs> I uh, like their stuff that's like, nope, you can't even like that one, bro, because that's going to show something to, to folks that, you know, whatever. Um, but a, a, probably on another half of the time, uh, what I have, and I feel freed up in my spirit, like this is wise. So social media is a sphere of influence where tons of information and voices live. I do not think it is appropriate for followers of Jesus to completely abdicate that sphere as a place to put truth because we don't want to offend. So if the world, um, and let's and I'll be candid, like evil mm. is going to saturate social media where my kids are eventually going to be, where all of us are, then I don't think it's appropriate for Christians to completely pull uh, a controversial opinion back mm. because we don't want to be seen as combative. Like, we have to insert truth into the midst of a swirling world of voices as well. That's where it comes down to tone. It comes down to demeanor. It comes down to, to candidly, even frequency. I don't want to beat somebody over the head over and over and over again. But uh, I have decided that with the right tone, this is what wisdom would look like. The right truth, the right tone, the right timing. Um, I will post something that may have a little bit of an edge to it because I'm unwilling to allow a lie to get all the spotlight. Hmm. I'm just unwilling to do that. I have a responsibility, I think, on a few issues. Now, let me let me add another layer to it. Are there some issues that just don't deserve don't deserve our voice? Absolutely. Like let some stuff go, you know. Um, but man, there are a few issues, even stuff that's very relevant to things happening right now. Yeah. That man, I just I care too much, and I think God cares too much for us to be completely silent on yeah. it. So we do yeah. have to walk in wisdom though on how to yeah. post. Yeah, let me yeah. add to it exactly what you said. I mean, think about this, right? We both have our Bibles up here. I mean, this was the social media. I don't because I'm not that yeah, holy. You I got a coffee. So, yeah, are you, you know. are you even a believer? <laughs> yeah. <I don't. laughs> hey, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Let's, let's tag team on this. You go next. Um, <laughs> start crying. Just, you know, <laughs> he's holier than us. He just got back from Africa, bro. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite line, by the way, on your thing is like, do we even use the dollar anymore? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm a, that's like the sign, like, hey, I'm a traveler, everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. sorry, we're picking Sky Lounge, Delta much, Miles, yeah. you know, no big deal. <laughs> um, actually, you're with his dad, though, so you're kind of just sky lounging off his dad's yeah. points. My right dad's here. the missions guy for the church, so Alex and my dad got an eight day trip together. Yeah. 
Did you enjoy yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Recouping. You spent your inheritance on Alex. It's fine. Um, (laughs) I have no inheritance. You don't. You're a pastor's kid. I am too. I get it. Um, So anyway, we got, I think I know the answer. Oh, yeah. This is the, uh, this is what like staff meetings are like for us, by the way, guys. Um, So think about, this is like the social media of the day. Because I don't know if you know, like, Hmm. these letters were written and sent off. And it was like almost like out of Paul or whoever's writing the letters' hands at that point. And could be interpreted anyway, and yet there is some pretty, I mean, we know there's sharp truth in the Bible that was hard to hear. Mm. So just to kind of affirm what Trey's saying, like, there is a place for that, and we have a biblical example of that, that yep. this is what Paul was doing. Yeah, I'll give, again, because this is a great question, and I hope it's helpful. I have uh, one uh, other practical filter for me is if I wouldn't say it to someone's face, I probably wouldn't post it. Um, which shows how combative I might be in person. Um, because, like, like honestly, I, I've checked myself before, and, like, I don't know if I'd actually go there with that person, mm. so I'm probably not going to comment on that post. Um, I actually, there were a few uh, posts over the past couple of days I wanted to, like, DM the person. And there's people that maybe I'm not, I don't have influence in their lives. Um, I, I, maybe I used to, but, I, but they're not around anymore. They moved away. And I'm like, man, I haven't talked to that person in three years. It's probably inappropriate for me, for my, our next conversation to me, me being like, hey, you posted a lie. Let's talk about it, you know? So um, so I, I, that is a filter. If you would not engage that person or engage that truth publicly in, an, in a real relationship, then perhaps that is an, another filter to go, you know what, if I wouldn't actually do this in real life, I probably shouldn't post it here. And I would say use that moment possibly to engage the person. Like, I think you're right, but be like, hey, I saw you posted something, man. I'd love to hear more about that. I've got some thoughts on that. I'd love to sit down and have coffee with you or something like that. It could be a great opportunity, one, to reconnect a relationship, but really have some some good conversation on it. And I love where our church has been. If you've been around 12 Stone, you know, on Sunday mornings, go to a campus, uh, you've been around, even the last two years, it's just been brutal. Uh, I mean, brutal from any any issue, any stance, and, and to basically say, hey, our bigger cry is unity, and unity matters more, and to actually love your neighbor matters more. And uh, I, we actually pulled this uh, uh, picture. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if we uh, got that up on the screen, but it was from uh, Easter, our uh, founding senior pastor, Kevin Myers. And uh, this, the story behind this picture is uh, actually a guy, he was a college student, young adult, uh, came up to our founding senior pastor, Kevin, and he, uh, during Easter service, this is in the response moment, this happened a couple Sundays ago, and came up to uh, Kevin and said, I'm sorry. And uh, Kevin responds, like, what are you sorry for? Like, what, what are you saying? I'm just, I'm sorry. He said, well, you got to be more specific. And he said, I'm sorry for the things that I posted. I'm sorry for the things that I said about 12 Stone. I'm sorry for the things that I said about you. And he said, can I, can I be forgiven? <laughs> and then a moment, <laughs> Kevin prayed over him, and he ended up giving his life to Jesus and forgiveness and walk through repentance and what it means to actually come back to the heart of God, that is the power of unity. <laughs> That's worth celebrating. That, that, that is found in Jesus. And no matter what stances we have, no matter where we're at, they're, they're, unity is possible. And I love that about, and I think even our generation can really model that even for not only just the whole church, but I think we can pioneer that. I think that we can, as a whole ministry and as a generation, that we can pioneer, you know what, we might have differences, we might have different stances, but what's the wiser thing to do? The wiser thing to do is to love the person in front of me because love matters more. I'm gonna love my neighbor so much because the love of that person matters more than what my political view might be, whatever my stance or my, my, my point of view on a certain issue. Man, their soul matters more than my opinion. Yeah, man, I heard a pastor say it like this one time. He said, one of the most, uh, like a, a really destructive lie that has crept into culture is that if I disagree with you on a position, then I have to sever from you as a person. And it's, 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 I mean, it's a lie. The lie that unless we are 100% in uniformity in all of our positions, then we cannot have a, a good relationship. Man, there are people that I may have significant disagreements with, significant, like, like we verge on really big issues, but that does not mean that I cannot engage that person and I can't keep that relationship. And uh, what an important thing for us to carry when all of our positions are more visible than ever before. Hmm. You're never going to find somebody that's like, you know, put them up against you and it's, it lays over perfectly. 
And, uh, and so to free that up in your heart, like, like I would ask you, like, like embrace that as wisdom and almost embrace it as freedom that you do not have to uh, do a 10-point checklist on every single major issue in order to, like, be generous and loving and kind and welcoming to another human being. Mm. And uh, it's really important for us to remember that position yeah. and person are two different yeah. things. Yeah. And we got a couple of questions that have come in. Actually, we got so many. My phone was starting to freeze. I was like, oh, I can't keep up. Uh, we got a couple of questions that come in. Uh, one of them was uh, wisdom and making new friends in a new phase of life. Um, a lot of you probably have felt this challenge at some point before. Of I'm stepping into college and, and I'm trying to figure out well, what is, who are my people? Or maybe you're stepping out of college and now you're kind of uh, uh, being more of a young adult, I guess, if we can say that. Uh, uh, what, what would you guys say, hey, you know what, this would be a wise way to approach about trying to establish community uh, and what it means to actually maybe be a part of the church? Uh, you know, it's probably a standard answer, but it's, it's so important. Like, I, and I think I just used the scripture, like, bad company corrupts character. So, I mean, your first goal is to find people who are going after the things you know you're called to go after. Um, and so that usually takes place in the life of a church and finding that type of community that you can find in the church. So it's, it's not, the challenge is not, no, like, I think you, you guys know that, you get it, right? The, the challenge is actually finding that in our culture um, because you have a lot of people who are living more, especially post-COVID, living more in isolation. Um, it's just hard to find that. Uh, but what I would tell you, it's there and, and you seek it out. The thing that I have found over the years uh, in working in churches the last 10 years is that I find a lot of people that will often leave a church that they love and say, like, I just, I can't find community, so I'm out. I don't know if you've experienced that. Mm. And here's what I would tell you. If you can't naturally find it, create it. Like, go make it. Like, you can make it. My wife was, uh, a few years ago, when we were back in Mississippi, man, she had left uh, a job where she had that community kind of built in. It was, it was a really cool, she was a part of a ministry, it was amazing, and they, it, it, she was a professional ballet dancer, I like to brag about my wife, and they traveled all over the world sharing the gospel, and, and they had this like natural inbuilt community, which was really cool. Well, she retired from that, and like lost it all, because they were always traveling, so she didn't have it, and man, she searched forever and just could not find it, and then mm. finally, she just woke up, it's like, you know what, like, I'm done with it, I'm going to build it, and y'all, within six months, like, she built this incredible community of women who ironically were hungry for the same things that she was and were sitting there waiting around just like many other people. Mm. Um, and it was just asking the question. And so what I would tell you is if you can't find it, it's there. People are hungry for it. We're seeing that right now at 12 Stone. We're yeah. seeing yeah. more people come back to church than we've seen since COVID hit. And a lot of it, Trey, you can speak to what you've seen because you've been here longer than me. People are hungry for community. They're realizing, oh my gosh, I'm in isolation. This is not good. Like, I need this. So they're hungry for it. So it's there. So if you're not finding it, go build it. Like, just go build it. And it'll be a lot, probably a lot easier than you realize when you start leaning into that. Yeah, man, I love that thought. Go create it. Because, I mean, immediately what comes to my mind is to, and I know this is, I'm, I'm going to, I don't want to, um, move past somebody that's naturally introverted. Like, you're naturally an introvert and you're like, man, I don't know if I, you know, so you hear create it and you hear what I'm about to say and you're like, man, I don't know if that works for me. Um, but I even think introverted people, like God has designed you for relationships. He's just designed you for deep, meaningful ones and not to be the person that busts in those doors like, what's up, C12? I'm here, you know. <laughs> um, but I would say this, like there is a principle of if you want to have community, you are going to have to put yourself out there some at some point. And uh, so I would say put yourself out there, similar to what you said. Uh, don't wait for it to come to you, but engage people in conversation. And then to know, maybe you'll know what I mean when I say this. You kind of know when you're with a group of people and it just feels easy. Like, it just feels easy. My wife and I talk about that. Like, who are the friends that are just, like, I don't have to work it up a little bit. Like, I don't, like, I'm not with them for like an hour. And I'm like, I don't know if I've said like one real tray thing for the whole time we've hung out. <laughs> but you know those people that you can just sit back with and it's just like real quick, it's easy? Man, I would just say look for that. And, and if you feel like you're always conjuring up a fake version of yourself, it may not mean anything necessarily negative about those people. It may just mean that's not going to be your sweet spot mm. for a community. And so I would look for easy. I would look for, and, and here's what's cool about easy. It may not even be the same, ne necessarily the same exact likes. It may not be the same hobbies or passions. There's just this interpersonal thing that happens sometimes where it's like, man, we just gel. Mm. And uh, I would look for that, but it will take you putting yourself out there. Yeah, that's so good. I think I got another question that came in. I thought was really, really good. This pertains to you know not just friendships, but also family. Um, and this question is, how do you practically grow in wisdom with family who think they understand everything and try to influence you? 
What, that happens? Uh, you want to take a break while we figure this out? Or you gotta... <laughs> you know, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is, uh, I don't want to say treat your family like they're a TikTok video, but go back to like... <laughs> What I mean by that is, is what uh, do, yeah, what does that mean? Guys, here's what I mean. <laughs> you go do a dance? To, to, go back to, to go back to what I said a moment ago about how you're receiving the influences of social media and how do you process what's real, what's not real, mm. is um, how your family and friends influence you and what they do to like your personal sense of worth or your personal sense of happiness and joy is more about who you are in Christ than it is about what they're doing to you. And so you have to be, come back to this place of, you are only going to be as healthy, as, as grounded as you are in the person of Jesus Christ. Mm. And when you are healthy personally in your intimacy and walk with Jesus, you'll be amazed at the amount of strength and patience and fortitude that you'll have with difficult relationships. So before you blame and try to uh, shift your circumstances, like, okay, what's the one-two line to get that guy to shut up for my uncle to understand, you know, all this kind of thing. Instead of going to, like, external factors first— Pull back and go, man, i got to settle stuff internally. And I promise you, you settle some stuff internally, you'll be able to have some stuff roll off your back. You'll have mm. some stuff that just won't impact you as a person. And you'll be able to filter and, and speak to the things when, uh, when you have the right opportunity to do that, to push back on a family member or push back on a friend. So just like take ownership of you before you're worrying about fixing everybody else around you. Yeah. Um, all that. And I would say, I'm going to go back to Trey's advice about friends and disagreements. Like, I think that's true for your family. Like, you don't have to line up with your family for them to be family. And I think there's a place where you can say, I'm going to honor my father and mother just like Scripture calls us to, and yet I'm not going to agree with them. And I think you can be in that place. Like, you don't have to have, well, we disagree, so we can't be family together. Uh, we can disagree and we can still be family. So you can honor your father and mother but we all know our call as Christians is a higher honor. We honor the Lord first. Um, the challenge is, and I've been around lots of people, if your family rejects you for that and pushes you away, that's part of the, that's the hard challenge call of a Christian sometimes. And I think that's the thing we don't want to often say, but even Jesus talks about that. Sometimes, like, he, you know, it's, it's hyperbolic, but he's like, you know, you got to hate your mother brother. He's not literally saying hate, but what he's saying is like, hey, like my relationship with you and your, your love for me should be so much higher than your family. Mm. And I think that's the reality we have to live in. But on the ground, we can have that relationship with the Lord, honor our father, mother, brother, and sister, um, but still disagree. And so everything Trey said about friends, I think you can apply that to family too. What would be, uh, <clears throat> this is going back to, to friendships, a, a wise view and healthy friendships to be able to be both accountable without accusing. We're, we're getting deep tonight. Yeah, I love yeah. this. No, I, I love that distinction. That's really good. I want you to raise your hand. Who came up with that? I'm joking. Um, <laughs> really, come find me afterwards. That's really smart. Oh, look at you. You're like, I got it. I own that. I appreciate that. <laughs> this is my uh, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I, uh, I would say, um, <clears throat> so the depth of the relationship matters. So, so what, is, what is the track record of that relationship coming up to the moment when you're going to challenge that person? Um, I don't challenge deeply face-to-face -face people that I don't have a great relationship with. Um, my, you know, being a pastor kind of affords me the ability to do that sometimes, but it's not because of relationships, because of, of, of position, credibility. Um, but I think for our normal relationships, like the depth, there needs to be some trust built. Let me ask the word I'm looking for is what is the trust that you've built over time to where when they hear the challenge, they know your heart. And we've built trust. This person challenging me, and that person may even get upset with you. Here's, I think, the goal. Anytime you hold somebody accountable to someone straying off of fill in the blank, there's probably going to be a little bit of defensiveness that rises up in any of us. I've, the, the people I trust the most, when they bring something against me, I have a little bit of a, oh, yeah? You want to go? Like, that's just, it's just in, you it's are just in us, right? Uh, you know? <laughs> But uh, you want to talk about things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. I need to go to a counseling. Let's go turn it to a counseling <laughs> yeah, session. Counseling really session. Yeah. But but here's what's so cool: when there's trust that's been built over time, like the Holy Spirit, like immediately like settles it, and like, ah, oh, this person has my best. So when you speak challenge and accountability, they just have to know that you have their best in mind. Man, does this person know that I have my best? Mm -hmm. And if you can't answer that question, do they know that I have my that that I have their best in mind? Then maybe it's not time. And then just to be very, you know, say it again, tone, demeanor, timing absolutely matter. Mm. 
you can say the right thing the wrong way. You can say the right thing at the wrong time and it blow it up, even if you're saying the right thing. So yeah. tone, demeanor, timing, and what's the trust look like? Ooh, I love this question. Trey and I have been talking about this concept a lot. So I'm going to make a, like a pretty bold statement. I, I think the biggest thing missing in discipleship in the church the last hundred years is accountability. I think somehow over the way we've taken that out of our discipleship systems and small groups, and we're feeling the weight of that now. Um, Trey and I have talked about this a lot. And so, I'm trying to think how I want to push this. We've got to start among Christians creating culture of accountability. And part of that is putting yourself in the type of relationships where there's an agreement to have accountability. Um, that's how you do that. And what starts with you, are you willing to be held accountable? I'm talking to you because you asked a question, but I think that's for all of us. Like, we've got to all put ourselves in that space. So let me, let me give an example. I think they'll make, make sense of this. I've been in an accountability group now for six years. And when I say accountability group, I don't mean a small group that does Bible study. Like, we, we, all that's good. But we come together every Friday. Um, I meet with them still online. It's four of us. And we, the, here's the agreement. You always have to bring your junk to the table. Now, we're all on board with that. It's an agreed-upon thing. And, uh, and we built it around uh, these John Wesley questions. Uh, if you're ever curious, look up John Wesley's 22 accountability questions. That's what we build them off of. And they're, like, like gut-riching. They start to dig in pretty good. And we bring our junk to the table. And the goal of the group is we hold each other accountable. And I, here's why I'm telling you all this. Of all the things that I've done in my life in the church, this has single-handedly changed my life. Hmm. And the thing that makes that different than any other community I've been a part of is I have three other guys around the room that hold me accountable, but they hold me accountable in love. And I would tell you guys, if there's anything, you go back to the community question, if there's anything that you can add to your life right now, I know you guys have a ton going on, and you're probably in this Bible study maybe, and we come to C12, I get that. But if you can find a way, you can't do it with everybody. Look, you don't want an accountability group with like 100 people. Like that gets weird, and you don't need that. But if you can find two or three people that you can say, hey, we're going to entrust our lives to one another, and we're going to share what's going on, and, and you get the full reign to support me, hold me accountable. I fully, and, and it's all done in the name of Christ and, and discipleship. It will single-handedly change your life. Man, I love the agreement piece. Do you guys hear that? Like, because what happens when you have the agreement of accountability, uh, so you, you make the agreement in a time where you're not having to hold that person accountable, right? Like, the agreement is, is great. Like, hey, Bro, I love you. You love me. like let's agree to hold each other accountable. When you get to the moment where you are going to hold people accountable and they begin to push back, you almost get to like, hey, hey, you said yes to this. I'm not doing this just because I'm a critical person. Mm. We agreed to this, and it, so it gives you like this this like rallying point if you've entered into a group or an agreement like that. That's great. Mm. And I think we can just end off on this one question. I know there's tons of questions that have come in, and, you know, we can't hit every single question up here on stage, but, I mean, you guys are going to be, like, around after service. And so if you guys got a burning question that you want to ask them, then feel free to stick around. But we'll tell Jason not to come next week. We'll come back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we'll be back here part two. Uh, Yeah, you can stay home, Jason. Uh, But maybe you got something, you're like, hey, I really want to ask them. This would be really, really good. They're going to be around, and uh, they love to answer some of the questions that you guys have. But I thought we'd kind of end on this one. Um, Maybe what's one piece of of wisdom? If you could say, hey, dude, here's the one nugget. If I could give you guys in this room one thing to take away, like one piece of wisdom, and I wish you'd hold on to this, what would that be? You didn't prep us for that one. I'm a little upset Yeah, I didn't, but... (laughs) Oh, man. When you look at, because um, let me say it more candidly. When I, uh, I might have said this from stage before, maybe not, but when I look at this room, I don't just look at, oh, you guys are college students, you guys are young adults. I look at you as like, you're, you're the future families of 12 Stone. Yeah. You're going to be like teachers in this community. Right. You're going to be doctors in this community. You're going to be business owners. You're going to be uh, you're going to be people who are going to like you're the emerging leaders in our culture. You're leaders right now. But you, as God does things in you and as He builds you to be a better follower of Jesus, you're going to have more influence as you get older. Yep. So I don't look at this stage of life as cool. These are just years that you try to get by and they're transient, but they're actually foundational, and that God can actually use you in the future. But these years are founded in what, exactly what David did when he's uh, learning wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> and he's learning to sit and allow God to do things in him. And, and maybe in these years, we can apply things in our life that affect us now, but affect us in, in our 30s. And, and I remember sitting in this personally. 
I'm just going to invite you on a little bit of a personal journey. The, 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 the one theme that I've been in is about health. Uh, over the last little bit, I, I remember I listened to a, a podcast and uh, uh, Sam Collier goes over, hey, if, if you could focus on one thing, don't allow uh, you know, to have regret in your 30s because you didn't do what you should have done in your 20s. And you end up spending your 30s being in pain and your 40s being in pain because you didn't do in your 20s when in, instead of in your 20s, you should be actually applying wisdom and growing in wisdom. What would be that thing that you said, hey, if you would apply this right now in your life, this would become really transformational for you? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be as practical as that thought. Um, but man, and, and I hope you, like I need you to hear this. And I think I'm about to, what I'm about to say to you, like I'm saying to myself, and I don't even know what this looks like in the next 10 to 15, 20 years. But a piece of wisdom that if you love and follow Jesus, you need to prepare right now for it to cost you something. We have got to begin to prepare that is going to cost us something. It is going to cost influence. It's going to cost relationships. It may eventually cost you positions. It may eventually cost you jobs in order to lovingly, but as a warrior inside of the kingdom of God to stand firm on the person of Christ. It's going to cost you something. And so if I could leave you with something, it's, it's even as you pray, it's even in the relationships you build, it's the church that you're a part of, it's the, the way you uh, intake and apply and live scripture and love scripture, that I would begin to prepare your thinking and how you view your future for the next 60 years. There's gonna become a moment when following Jesus is gonna cost you more than it costs generations before you. And I don't want that to sound doom and gloom, it's just the reality. Yeah. And if we are not prepared to actually count the cost, as Scripture says, and lay ourselves aside in order to bring much glory to Jesus and to display the gospel and preach the gospel in its fullness, if we're not prepared to count that cost, then the church is going to shrink under the weight of an enemy who's moving fast. Now, I believe Jesus wins. I believe there's nothing you can do against that. Like, that has been settled um, but I do believe that he wants to use us to push the kingdom of God forward to the to, to culture in a way that is powerful. Mm. And to do that, it is going to cost us something. Mm. Ooh, that's good. Y'all write that down. If you didn't write it down, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna build on that too. Um, a, a, an essential part of that that this I think this will help you when it starts getting costly that you'll have in your back pocket. And I, I'm gonna go old school. Can we open our Bibles real quick? Y'all do that in C12. Uh, turn, if you got your Bibles with you, that was or a really phone. mean thing. That was a really mean thing to say. <laughs> do we do that at C12? Do we read our Bible? <laughs> I was really making fun of Alex, <laughs> not you guys. Um, I feel bad now. <laughs> I repent. I'm sorry. There's one thing I tell you: always be ready to repent. So that's an going, example <laughs> of how you hold somebody accountable. <laughs> and I willingly received it. Thanks, Trey. Um, I'm gonna go uh, Mark chapter one. Um, and uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 11. This story is, so let me back it up. My, my dad used to always make this statement to me, like, before I would leave. I think part of it is because he realized I was probably in high school and college. I was going to do something dumb, and it was kind of a, you know, just a reminder. But he'd say, you know, son, always remember who you are and whose you are. I don't know, did your parents ever tell you that? Mm. Like, remember who you are and whose you are. And this is kind of, for me, what he was always pointing back to. But there's the baptism story of Jesus where Jesus, you know, is baptized. He comes out of the water. There's a spirit that descends on him, and there's a voice from heaven that says, you are my son, whom I love, and with you I'm well pleased. Um, I'm, po I'm pointing you to the scripture in Mark chapter 1. And what I'll tell you is that's an identity statement. That's not a practical tool. That's an identity statement. What I love and I never noticed for years is right after that, the Holy Spirit sends Jesus out into the wilderness. And the enemy is always attacking, right? We have those three temptations, but if you notice in the text the enemy's always attacking Jesus' identity. And it, what I never noticed until recently was that, yes, Jesus is fighting back with the word, right? The word of God says. But he's just had an experience where he's heard his identity from, from the Father. You're my son whom I'm loving with you are well pleased. And what I would tell you is I think there's a lot of truth for that in us. When we're in the wilderness, and it's going to cost us in the wilderness. Um... The thing we go back to is our identity in Christ. 
which is not so much a practical tool as just remember who you are. And the identity is given for us, like we have it biblically, that you're my child, I love you, and with you, like, I'm well-pleased. And that's how we kind of stay grounded in the midst of these moments when, when it gets hard, when it starts to cost. It's, it's, it's going to cost us. But when that moment gets hard, we go back to our identity. And I wish someone would have reminded me that because I know, like, early on, like, when things were costing or when things were getting difficult, man, I would either fall apart or I was looking for that one little tool and really, the one thing I needed is just to remember who, who I am. Like, man, I'm, I'm God's child. That's, that's settled. Like, God's going to win in the end. Man, I'm, I'm loved by him. Like, that's what matters most. Like, even when everybody else seems to not love me, and I'm a three on the Enneagram, I like to be loved. When everybody else, yeah. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I like to beat people up. Like, so. I know. <laughs> Trey and I have a fascinating relationship. He has fun. I cry. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm a but, seven. I just laughed. So. <laughs> <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> Such a loser. Let's go jump out of an airplane. Um, Let's go so, to Africa. <laughs> so just, guys, like, when it gets hard, when you want to give up, when you want to quit, remember who you are. Mm-hmm. Stand, stand your ground on that. And somehow when you start to stand your ground your identity, man, that gives you that courage, that gives you the confidence to keep moving on. Yeah, and the wisdom in all of it is it's worth it. Like, yeah. I say it's going to cost you something, but I can I tell you that what you lose um, does not compare with what you gain. And, and just try to remember that. Like, it, you may lose comfort. You may lose something uh, in, in the path of following Christ, but it is absolutely worth it. Mm. Um, because what you find in Christ is so satisfying and so identifying and it's so true of who you are actually created to be that it's just it's just worth it. Mm. Um, so so as you lose some things, it will pale in comparison to what you've actually obtained in the person of Jesus. Yeah. It's just worth it. Yeah. That's so good. Hey, can we get it up for Trey and for Frank for being here? <clears throat> y'all, y'all can head out and, and as we kind of wrap up the night and Tonight's been just kind of a, a kickoff into this series, and, and honestly, what we're going to be leaning into all summer. And uh, you're like, hey, I wish we could kind of get more into the brass tacks, like really guy, diving into scripture. What does this mean? Let's unpack it. And over the whole summer, that's what we're doing. Uh, over the course of the summer, we're really going deeper into scripture. And, and how many of you are just like, man, I'm just like hungry for God's word. I'm hungry for like what God's word has to say for me. I feel like in some ways, our culture has shifted in terms of, I don't want anything that's watered down. How many of you would just rather have, hey, dude, just tell me how it is? I'm not hearing you. How many just rather have that? <laughs> like you would just rather have, hey, just go ahead and tell me how it is. I think a lot of our culture is, dude, I just want to know God's word for what, it's, for what it actually says. And over the summer, we're just kind of leaning in that way. We're going to go deeper into scripture. We're going to unpack it. We're going to ask hard questions. We're going to go deeper into what really is the gospel. We're going to unpack maybe some different Greek words or Aramaic things and things that actually are actually in the heart of scripture that actually unpack maybe some things that you've always bypassed, some things that you've always read before. And we're just going to go dive deep into God's word. And so for the whole, the whole course of the summer, we're just going to find the more deeper gold nuggets inside scripture and how that actually applies to your life and what you do with that as a follower of Jesus. And we're gonna go dive deeper into the aspect of biblical knowledge. <laughs> Maybe some of you grew up in the church. Maybe some of you haven't. You just recently gave your life to Jesus. And have you ever had like read the Bible and you're like, what the heck am I reading? You go in the Old Testament and you're like, this person slept with this person. And you're like, what kind of crap is this? Like, what kind of weird stuff am I reading? And you're like, I don't know what the Bible is actually saying here. And we're gonna actually unpack some big elements of biblical knowledge because it's the Bible that transforms your life. And we live in a society where we ask the question, like, do I matter to God? Like, do, do I really matter to God? And if you ask the wrong questions, you're gonna get the wrong answers because the question that you really should ask is, does God matter to me? If you want transformation, if you want something to actually transform your life, you have to ask the question, does God really matter to me? because it's God and it's his word that actually transforms your life. It's, it's, it's his truth that sets you free. It's his love that, that overwhelms all the condemnation that you feel. It's God and his nature, and he'll prove himself to you if you draw near to him because he'll draw near to you. Man, that's the truth of what God can do. And over the summer, we're just gonna go over the theme of biblical knowledge. Let's grow in the element of what does the Bible really, really say? 
And I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and you guys can come up. You can take some of the elements off the stage. But I was just brought to this a little bit as I was in Africa. I'm not trying to put a funny plug to it, but when we were in Sierra Leone, again, you're in a third world country and you feel a little bit farther removed from maybe what really is the, what does this government do when it comes to different social injustice things? And as a country, they're just so far behind maybe where we're at as a country. And they just implemented a law to, about ending human trafficking and they just advanced after 10 years of work. And I asked, I said, well, what was the hardest thing? And they said, the hardest thing is they're trying to like, it's not laws that are being implemented, even though they take as long as they do. What they said, it's actually harder to change people's mindsets. And I was like, that's just, I don't know why it didn't occur to me earlier than what it did, but after I got back, I even had a conversation with Trey and we're like, man, laws don't change morality, the gospel does. There's not a law that's gonna change the way that you view something. There's not a law that's gonna change the way my mind thinks about something. There's not a law that's gonna be implemented. It's all wrapped up in the personhood of who Jesus is because it's Jesus that transforms your life. It's Jesus, the one who died on the cross for your sin is the one that's actually gonna bring a transformation. And so we're just gonna close out tonight by singing a song, What a Beautiful Name. There is no rival, there's no equal. When it comes to God in a world where it feels like, yeah, it feels like evil is just winning. It feels like evil at times is just kind of more dominating. Well, Disney's doing this thing now. Well, this person and, and everything about abortion and COVID and all this stuff, all of it's rising up and you, and you just have to sit and wonder, man, maybe I have to be longer in the presence of God to know that the victory's already won. And so let's sing out this song. What a beautiful name. I want you to join in. And maybe you got to worship differently. You got to worship a little bit more victoriously, knowing that the battle is won. So let's worship well. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. To stay connected with C12, make sure to follow us on Instagram at C12 Stuff. One of the best ways to get connected with others and grow in your relationship with God is jumping into a small group. To sign up for small groups, go to 12stone.com slash small groups and search college. We hope to see you next week.